Uh, welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This is Nick. And Janelle. And uh, welcome to another podcast of Beyond the Vow. We hope that you are safe and, and warm wherever you are. Are we still out of our, are we under that winter weather advisory still, or are we out of it? I think we're out of it, but it never amounted to anything. I know, we didn't get anything at all, I don't think. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I was expecting this great big deluge of snow or whatever that was going to hit us and then nothing happened. But today we have a couple of guests and these are folks that I've known for a while now. And we have uh, Daniel and Elizabeth Ferguson. And how are you all doing today on this fine furry day? We're doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, so it has been a while. Yeah. Since we've talked and and just good grief and where we where we all wait a minute no were you all at you so who all was at the Bob Evans Farm Festival when we ran into you all that one year? Um, it was me and Daniel and my mom and my brother David. Okay, yeah. okay, that's who it was. Yeah, because I was trying. I was like, I thought I remember running into you all. So I was trying to talk to Janelle because, of course, she does not have that history uh, of church mm-hmm. camp and everything like we do. Um, and so I was having to explain that to her. Um, but yeah, so where, where we all kind of met, um, so Elizabeth, I, I kind of knew your family, like your mom and your grandmother, um, Mm -hmm. and then your dad way back at Ironton and like, would that be the mid nineties roughly? Yeah, thereabouts, because that's where my parents got married was at the church in Ironton. Mm, Okay. Yes. I remember that. Yes, I do remember that. Um, so that, that's been a while back. So then when I first met you was when you all started coming to Jackson Avenue over there in Huntington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I came for the New Year's Eve service. Yes. Wait, was and that? And Haley and uh, I think one of the other girls that was there greeted me. You and or your mom did too. They were all outside. Yeah. Wow. That has been a while back. That had to have been like what? Maybe 20, oh. 2010, 2011, somewhere in there maybe? I want to say 2015, but that doesn't quite sound right. No, 2015 would be church camp. Yeah, because I remember all the church camp stuff kicking off. I think it was probably a couple years before that. The only thing I remember is like, well, not the only thing, but one of the big things I remember is it was the first time I went to Winter Jam because you invited me. That's right. Yes, I have pictures of that. I was going through my Mm -hmm. my photo backup, and I had photos of that. Yep, I do have that. Whatever year that was. (laughs) Yep, was that when we all stopped at like Wendy's and Milton? Yeah. Yep. I think that's, yep. I, that's, that's the pictures that I have. Yep. And then, uh, Daniel, we met when you showed up at camp, but you were kind of, did you go to, uh, Crook's Chapel or where were you coming from? Cause you kind of showed up with the, with the Shaws. Yeah. So I went to school with the Shaws and really it was just one day, one of them sent me a text and was like, Hey, we have a church camp that we go to. I think you would like it, and we kind of need more youth to go. You know, if you want to go, contact. And they gave me some contact information for the person that's over it. Yep. And then you showed up, and then that was yeah. the uh, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Yep. There was uh, yeah. Now the first time I think you were going to share the story of really how you kind of met my mom and my dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a great coming of age story. <laughs> so. Um, you know, like we were saying, this is 2015, mm-hmm. so that was nine years ago. Yeah. Is my math right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so about 16 years old, me, I mm-hmm. was. And um, we had some guys from Kansas City Bible College that come in to talk about the school, you know, do whatever kind of they were doing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, all the boys had one dorm and all the girls had another dorm. So one night, you know, it's probably 11, midnight, whatever. We're all just hanging around, talking, you know, doing whatever. One of the guys said, hey, I just remembered I brought this taser (laughs) to camp. My wife's eyes just got really big like she was not expecting the story to go that way. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like... Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. You should get it. As you do. <laughs> and so he gets it. We're all standing around. And um, yeah, that's a great idea. You should go get it. So he goes and gets it. We're all hanging around. We're all trying to figure out if we're going to taste somebody, who it is, just looking at it, playing around with it. 
so eventually I volunteer to get tased. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because I was bored. <laughs> I can think of a thousand other things more pleasant. <laughs> I mean, I, I can too now, but at the time, it was the perfect idea. <laughs> so he tases me and I scream, which apparently was loud enough for my now wife to have heard in the other dorm. <laughs> I wake up the next morning and the person who was kind of over the youth camp that stayed on the grounds with us come up to me and she was like, I heard that you got tased last night. And I was like, oh yeah, we were just goofing off, whatever. And she was very concerned. <laughs> and she was like, you have to go to the hospital, this, that, and the other. Well, longer story short, it was your parents, Nick, that took me mm -hmm. to St. Mary's to make sure that I was fine, which ended up I was. But another thing I remember about that is there was a torrential rain that we had gotten. Yeah, this was the year that the church camp almost floated away. Yes. And so I'm in your guys' van with your parents, literally driving through what looks like the great flood of 2015 <laughs> down 3rd Avenue. There's video of this. It it was crazy, <laughs> but that's how I know your parents because they took me to the to the hospital after I uh, tased myself or had myself tased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a difference if somebody tases you versus you tase yourself. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make the clarification that I did yeah. not tase myself. I just volunteered to get tased. <laughs> so we, you and I, kind of reconnected on Facebook, um, and we were talking a little bit about. Um, the the podcast and how you and little mm -hmm. Elizabeth have been listening to an episode and uh, and we just kind of started discussing our backgrounds a little bit, um, you know, from where where what we came from and and everything like that. And you had mentioned um, your your background to me, and I thought when you had mentioned Pentecostal holiness, um, the first thing in my mind is okay, that's a separate thing because I remember growing up going to Walmart mm -hmm. and people would always see mom. In, a, in her skirt, or our sister mm -hmm. would be along with her in the skirt, and the first thing they say is, "Oh, are you Pentecostal?" And my mom's like, "No, mm -hmm. we go to a holiness church." And they're like, "What's that?" You know, everybody always assumed Pentecostal, mm -hmm. and we always viewed Pentecostal as something completely separate. But from what our initial conversation revealed, um, sounds like it, it very much mixed in with the main part of the CHM because you mentioned names like James Plank, Judy Williams, and, and Camp Gilead. So uh, if we could, let's go ahead and kind of dig into that because I really want to hear kind of what it was like growing up in that. And could you explain to me and to everybody listening what that is with the Pentecostal holiness? Because some of us probably are, like I was, I was unaware that that was really connected with the main holiness movement. Mm -hmm. Pentecostal at its core is very closely related to what Church of God believes and to what Baptists believe. Really, the only thing additional with just a generic Pentecostal term is um, they believe in speaking in tongues, um, and then they also believe in a healing power mm -hmm. from God to, like, physically hear, heal someone's ailment or, you know, whatever. Now, obviously, there's other doctrinal beliefs that are different, but at the core, those are, you know, kind of two main things that kind of separate the Pentecostal group from the rest. Mm -hmm. Now, my church was very specific because it was a Pentecostal holiness church. There's not really a lot of Pentecostal holiness churches that I found other than that one that we went to. Mm. So, I not really 100% sure why that they kind of grouped themselves under the holiness umbrella, if you will. Uh -huh. I would assume that it was because we had uh, Brother Plank come down, <clears throat> and he preached a lot at our church, and he was our pastor's cousin. Oh, wow. Okay. So it may have been something along the lines of that's just how our pastor believed. Mm -hmm. You know, he was under the holiness umbrella, so he just tacked on holiness beside a Pentecostal. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. All right. Yeah. So that so definitely even having that kind of like those family ties would probably also help influence that mainstream CHM 
mm -hmm. uh, kind of teaching over that. I, I, that was one thing that kind of confused me because I was I was like I had never heard of a Pentecostal Holiness Church kind of associated it itself, um, yeah, under like the mainstream kind of CHM. Um, Umbrella. So, were were you all part of a denomination of some sort? I've never seen another free will Pentecostal Holiness Church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, driving around. You know, been to other states around here in Huntington. I've never seen that title on a church. <laughs> and where was so, this one at? This was in Mingo County, West Mingo. Virginia. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. So, pretty pretty down south here of the state. Mm -hmm. So I, I honestly don't know if that denomination is spread out and maybe it's just more way out of town than where I've been, but I've never seen those, you know, free will, Pentecostal and holiness as one church. Yeah. That's why it kind of struck me, uh, just the whole mixing the CHM or the mainstream mm -hmm. holiness with the Pentecostal. I'd never heard of that before. And that's what really struck me. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, like really, is there a, like an element in the, in the holiness movement that is really, because the first thing, when I think of Pentecostal, you know, my mind goes to a lot of different places. So I'm glad you clarified because I'm going over and it's like, well, what are y'all doing? Are y'all handling snakes out that way? Or are y'all like rolling around <laughs> on the floor? Like, well, what's, what's going on here? Like, please get, <laughs> shed some light well, on see, this. Well, I mean, and that is another thing that kind of separates Pentecostals is their type of praise. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the, the rowdy people, you know, they're running around the pews, you know, they're screaming, hollering, you know, whatever as their praise during service. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen a snake in church. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good thing. But I have heard stories of the church before the 90s. <laughs> so, well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you kind of clarified that because, like I said, I, I, was, uh, I, I found that really intriguing um, and that James Plank would be preaching there. So uh, knowing that mm -hmm. it was his cousin, uh, that definitely would have influenced um, some of the thinking there. Mm -hmm. um, so, what was so what was it like, kind of growing up uh, in that church? Some of the things you remember, like what what did it, what what was some of their values that they believed in? Like, did they have? Because I mean, we've talked in the past about you know biblical doctrine, and we've talked about uh, you know personal convictions and things like that. But what were some of the things that you noticed that uh, were preached? Um, at that church when you grew up? So I was thinking about it earlier today about some of the stuff that was taught that definitely were personal convictions, um, at least that I've, I've never found in any of my research some of these as biblical doctrines. Um, some of the more kind of out there ones that I hadn't really seen anybody say before, like <clears throat> online, you know, I tried to look up what others might have said about similar denominations and how they uh, kind of structure their beliefs, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, we had, so money was a huge thing. Like they drilled it in that you can't have, you know, a house that exceeds a certain amount of money. Okay, oh, great. wow. Did or they, else it was too prideful. You did, were showing off. Oh, my word. So did they give a monetary amount? Like, did they say, okay, 100000 enough? Or what was there? Well, see, I couldn't remember because that was more of the, like, adult type of class, if uh -huh. you will. But I reached out to my dad, and he said from what he can remember, because none of us really go to this church anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I reached out to my dad. And he said that, from what he remembers, in the early 2000s, it was 85000 Oh, my goodness. You can't even buy a house that was, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. My yeah. goodness sakes. So, so yeah. now, who set that? Like, was, since it's an independent I, church, like, who, who initiated that concept? I don't know 100%, but just knowing the members, um, I would say that it would have been the pastor and then his kind of family. Mm. So was this is, a... Is what I would imagine. Was this a family-run church? Yes. Ah, okay. So, okay, that, that, would, that would explain a lot then. 
Yeah. Wow. So but yeah, I mean, we couldn't. We were taught not to eat out. Like you don't, you don't go to McDonald's. You don't go to Wendy's. I mean, you don't eat out. Period. You cook at home. Wow. Was it because, be- according to Paul, how we're supposed to spend our money wisely? They viewed eating out as an expense that wasn't necessary. Wow. Yeah, so, like, growing up until, really, until I moved to Huntington until about 12 or 13, you know, we really very, very, very rarely ate out. So, I could imagine you coming to church camp, and we're like, all right, we're going to go to Mr. Gaddy, so why are you all going to that place of ill repute? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, they're just burning money out here, boys, this godless bunch. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you know, well, I mean... You talked about uh, before the beard thing, yeah. you know, that was with us too. Men couldn't wear beards. They even went um, as far as you couldn't even put any product in your hair. Oh, wow. Well, I would just look like so, a troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no hairspray for the women or men, no gel, nothing like that. Um, no makeup was a very big thing. I remember that. Well, my hair definitely would not be my crowning glory if I did <laughs> <laughs> hair product. Well, it. You, you know what? You mentioned the hair product, and I was actually coming across a post um, on Facebook for Berean Holiness on their Facebook page, and they were discussing um, just some things that had been um, taught to a lot of people, you know, that are non scriptural as kids grew up. Like, what'd you have to deal with? And there were people in there that were talking about um, how they were told they could not use hair product. Mm-hmm. So that that sounds like it was something that definitely did get around to various circles. So what were what uh, what other things do you remember? No or only religious text could be read. No fiction, nonfiction, autobiography, none of that. It had to be religious text. Like I remember I was probably about eight. And one of the church members got me the Pilgrim's Progress to read. And that was allowed? Yes, that was allowed, but I was also eight. So oh. I wouldn't know anything that's going on. In True. The Pilgrim's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, I didn't read Pilgrim's Progress until I was a teenager. So yeah, yeah. Like, I can't I remember Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> Yeah, so my wife, me and my wife, when you were when you were uh, talking about the only religious literature, uh, were you thinking what I was thinking with the Bible missionary? Well, my grandpa, when my grandpa got saved, he was told, you know, he got my uncle got saved first, which was his oldest son, and he had begged his dad, my grandpa to come to revival, come to revival, and he said no. My grandpa was a farmer. He's like no. It's, I can't remember if it was harvest or if it was planting season. I think it was planting season. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've got to get this these fields in, which is a legit concern for a farmer. Yeah. He said, but if it rains, I'll come to revival. It rained all 10 days at the, the revival. Mm-hmm. So my grandpa went and he got saved. But then right after he got saved, he was approached and told all of these rules that he had to live by. Um, mm-hmm. They pitched all of their like first edition Hardy Boy, Nancy Drew books. Mm-hmm. All their games, their wedding rings, like all of that stuff, they pitched it. And my grandpa, they couldn't read the newspaper. They couldn't listen to the radio. It was Bibles and religious material only. And it was, my grandpa was like, I can't live like this. And um, I think mom said it was Brother Wright, a Brother Rice, who was very, very gentle and um, really saved my grandpa from backing out of a Christian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. Growing up in that, you don't really know anything different. Right. You know, you just think, you know, I just thought for years that, you know, that was just being too worldly. Right. Right. That That's just how the world acted. Right. So I didn't really know I was, you know, quote unquote, missing out. Yeah. It's, I've talked in, in the past in a podcast about how you, growing up, we're all kind of in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And um, the CHM is very much its own bubble. And then that bubble gets even smaller internally when it deals with certain denominations or certain churches. Um, and it just, it, you, you can go in there and think that really it's your four and no more. And the rest of the world is just going to hell and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so what, what else do you remember, uh, kind of growing up? This is really interesting because I like hearing it from your perspective uh, as to what, what was going on on that side. Yeah. So one other thing that I have <clears throat> written down here is that you couldn't visit other churches without permission from the pastor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. Yep. And I explicitly remember or explicitly remember, um, on my mom's side, they went to a different denomination and they were holding a revival. And I remember asking, not me personally, but I remember the family asking for permission to go to this other revival and it was denied and we didn't go. Wow. And you know, now I know that that's probably because they taught way different things. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so did, did the pastor, did he ever hold revivals anywhere else or did he? No. Also, uh, oh, he was just there and that's it. He was at that one church and that was it. So why would he have, okay, so, well, I understand that James Plank was his relation, but how, I know that James Plank did he preach stuff similar to that? Like, because obviously James Blake now, when we, when we've heard him preach, he's, you know, I remember he used to have a really tough stance on even like, uh, you know, he didn't care for projectors in churches and, mm -hmm. and projector screens. And, and he was, um, he, he talked about Facebook one time and stuff, but I don't think he has Facebook now. He has a Twitter account. So mm -hmm. even he has kind of relaxed in some areas, even though he has, mm -hmm said some things that have still been controversial, but you would think it based on what you were saying and what he would bring to the table that he might bring something slightly different in there. So how could that pastor mm -hmm. trust him to kind of stay in line with what that pastor taught? The only thing that I could think of is really the only thing I remember brother Plank um, teaching on was he was really, now you got to remember this was probably if I can remember it, I would say 2005 at the earliest. Okay. For at least for me to be able to remember it. <laughs> so it was a lot of how you should act mm -hmm. is a lot of what I remember. So not necessarily, you know, like here's the story of the uh, Peter walking on the water. You know, it was more of like, here's how Christians should act. And this is the basically the code that we follow. Right. Mm. So he, and, so he kind of tended to stay away from things. Yeah. Yeah. He, t he kind of tended to stay away from, I guess, what he would consider doctrine and kind of followed more along of what his cousin, my pastor, believed. Oh, I got you. So it was kind of like, yeah. yeah, you definitely don't want to go in there and say something controversial, especially to mm -hmm. it. And I mean, if I can be kind and say this, like that church is sounding <laughs> kind of isolated in what it's. Yeah, it's thinking. So obviously, if you were to have an evangelist come in, he could really do some serious damage and undermine everything oh, that yeah. pastor's done. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that would be a lot of questions raised and not very many answers. <laughs> so were you all aware of like the IHC convention? We were. We could never afford to go, um, but a lot of our uh, church members went to the IHC. They also a lot of them went to uh, Gilead. So that would be, well, you know, I, I've, I've listened to some older material from the IHC convention, and I've had mm. some discussions with some people who have thought that a lot of these more radical ideas, you know, when I say personal convictions, they kind of feel as if this stuff is kind of a minority and it's off in its own little corner. Um, mm -hmm. But in reality, a lot of this stuff crisscrossed the different denominational lines Mm -hmm. within the holiness movement simply through the mouth of an evangelist. And yep. <clears throat> back in the earlier days of the IHC, I would say that it probably was more in line to some of that more what we'd say radical kind of thinking now. Um, mm -hmm. Because I remember listening to a gentleman, and I've tried to find the sermon, but it was something, James Plank preached something like in 2011, like uh, things aren't the way they used to be or something along those lines. And this man preached something similar but it was very radical, and he was going down the line on, on like ladies and and movies and theaters, mm -hmm. and but that happened oh, at yeah. the IHC, and so I know that that kind of thinking was still even being projected from there. Now, I you may not hear it now as much, mm -hmm. and I think there are people who have cooler heads that are trying to ratchet down on that. Yeah. Um, 
but I would say maybe that's a reason why your pastor at the time would have been okay with them going to the IHC simply because mm-hmm. some of that rhetoric probably would have been heard, or at least smatterings of it would have been heard. Yeah, um, I'm looking at my note here, and it brought up a point. I don't remember what podcast you guys talked about it, but it was the no working on Sundays. Yes. The way we were taught is if you had an accident on Sunday, if you had a heart attack on Sunday, it was just your time to go. You didn't go to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I promise you. It was just, I mean, that, I mean, that it was God calling you home. I mean, you don't go well, to the I'm doctor. Gonna... You don't do anything under any circumstances besides church and hunt on Sundays. Wait, you could hunt on Sundays, but you couldn't go yeah. to the ER if you were having a heart attack on Sunday. Correct. Was the pastor a big hunter? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah. That might make sense. Yeah, you see how it kind of fits. Yes. Like <laughs> yes. He exactly. made his own narrative. Yes, he did. Yeah. And you know, knowing how hunting is in West Virginia, I used to work at a, uh, a electrical company. They made mining equipment for uh, stuff, you know, subways, and they made well, they made power stations for subways and the mining equipment for the mining companies. And I remember when hunting season would come along the production floor would shut down and all along the road between that, it's that bypass between um, target and uh, what, well, I don't know if that's route 10 or what that is out towards uh, mm-hmm. Huntington, but that you just see pickups all along the way. Like nobody's going to work. Everybody's out with their gun and that's it. So well, that, I mean, the, the town that I grew up in had a population now of around 350. Mm. So it's a very, 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 very small town. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say with that is, is we would take an extra week off of school the first week of hunting season and make it up in June. Oh, okay. They would let the kids out of school so that way they could go help hunt. Because for a majority of the people, that's honestly how they ate. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, very, very poverty-ridden place, you know. So it, for most people, that really is how they ate. Yeah. was whatever they hunted. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I mean, as a pastor, my dad was very careful because, I mean, we lived in central Indiana, but we had a whole church full of people who would go hunting. Mm-hmm. So he was very mm-hmm. intentional on not planning revivals around mm-hmm. hunting season. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because everybody's going to be out. <laughs> everybody's going to be yeah. out. They're not going to come anyway. Yep. Uh, but and he that, always got some of the, the products, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, pastor, I got you some deer right here. Oh, boy, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just pass it all along. But um, it's, it, it kind of surprised me there about the him uh, him being okay with you hunting on Sundays because I remember um, we went to the Ironton Church, uh, the Wesleyan mm-hmm. Church, and um, I remember I was outside, and um, me and a couple of the girls that were there, we were like, oh, we're just going to, like, throw a softball around. Um, and I don't know if I, maybe we found like a little croquet, maybe it's croquet or something like that. I forget what it was. We hadn't even had five minutes with it to even really swing it and hit a ball or anything. And then one of the ladies stepped out and stopped the whole thing. And she said, we, we don't play like that on Sundays mm-hmm. and just shut the whole thing down. And that was the first time. Cause I remember I'd go home on Sundays as a kid and I didn't, my mom and dad didn't see anything wrong with me, like riding my bike in the driveway or you yeah. know, things like that. But um, did you, did they have any kind of stipulation like that on like what you could do on Sunday? Like even for, as a, as a kid, my parents did not, <laughs> that's not to say that other parents that were more in it, if yeah. you will, didn't allow their kids to do things mm. because there's two families that were in this church. They, had they were kicked out of the church because their views were too extreme. Whoa. Okay, so you mean that they were even more hardcore than the rhetoric coming from the pastor? 1,000%. Do you remember a couple years ago, Nick, this quote-unquote street preacher that got arrested at Marshall? Did it have anything to do with uh, abortion? Yes. Okay, so... That is one of the families that got kicked out. 
Okay. Okay. Can I, can I share with you something I remember? I think from that, would this, would this have been maybe around 2013 or 14? When, when, well, like how long did they go to Mar? Did they, did they go to Marshall to do that? They were at Marshall, I would say every beginning of school year for probably six or seven years. Okay. Would, because here's what I remember. I remember going through, uh, you come out of the commons area where the student mm-hmm. center is and you go out the back door and you start heading towards like, mm-hmm. uh, Morrow library and all that. And there's like an yep. area outside and they would always be straight out in the kind of the, the grassy area under the trees. Uh-huh. And they had these great big signs that they would hold up. And of course everything was anti-abortion and stuff like that. And, and mm-hmm. I, I get that. I'm okay with that message, but um, I actually walked up to one of the, the guys that was there, and I think I said hi to him or something. I was like, hey, I said, I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. And there was a girl there, and I asked her, I said, hey, I said, uh, um, are you, I think I asked her, I said, are you, are you holiness or something like that? I said, Do you, have you ever heard of God's Bible School? Because I had just come out of like God's Bible School a few years ago, and in my head, I'm still thinking, well, if you dress that way, it's probably holiness. <laughs> and I asked her, yeah. I was like, um, have you ever heard of God's Bible school? And she looked at me kind of strange. She's like, no. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. something strange that happened. And I don't know if this will ring a bell. Maybe this is something that this guy did as an MO or it was a different guy. But if there was a crowd that gathered around and there was a police officer, like a Marshall police officer, and they weren't shutting it down. They were just kind of standing back listening. Cause I mean, it was, it was normal conversation, but there was a group that was there. And I think it was getting a little too hot and heavy, like for this guy to handle, who was the, the, the kind of the street preacher. Mm-hmm. And I remember he yelled and he was like, oh, why'd you try to touch me there? And, and the guy who was talking to him said, what? And, it, yeah. and, and, and it, he did that to kind of break that dude, I think, away from, from kind of, I don't know if the guy was kind of getting a point over on him or what it was, but he did mm-hmm. it to kind of break it and to try to turn the narrative on the guy talking to him. And I was like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. that guy didn't even touch you. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Was that something that these people did, or is that sound about the same group? It it sounds like the same group. These guys were more aggressive. They were like than what you're talking about. Oh, oh, really? Um, Okay. Wow. Okay. So I didn't. Well, they had, you know, they had the megaphones and the signs. Yes. And they would literally like because I started Marshall. I graduated in 2017, and I started in fall of 2017. I started Marshall. Okay. And I was there for this one. They had megaphones and everything and all these signs, and people from the church came up and, you know, all this junk. He would yell in the microphone. He would try to, quote, unquote, out people for their sins. Uh Uh-huh. Which, number one, is the way you should definitely go about trying to get people saved. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I specifically remember... This girl walked by, and she was in a pair of shorts. And they were decent shorts. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't short shorts. Yeah. You know, anything crazy. And I remember he had his megaphone, and she was on the phone with somebody. have no idea who. But she walked by him, and he yelled into the megaphone, You're going to hell, you whore. Wow. Okay, I'm going to say this. that's how they talk to people. I'm going to say this. That is exactly how they talk to people. That sounds very similar to what I remember, but I must have caught them on a more dial-back day. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I was there for their G-rated version of what they were doing. (laughs) I will always be against abortion. I will stand up against it. But I feel like, especially these more, um, I don't know. There you go. Zealous people need to be very, very, very careful because there's sometimes a Mm -hmm. lot of trauma that is around Mm -hmm. those young women who are trying to make the choice between keeping it, giving it up for adoption and aborting their baby. And it is a sin. I absolutely will die on that hill that it is a sin. It is murder. Mm -hmm. However, shouting and screaming at them is not helping. And it's not taking into consideration that they're probably most likely is a, is a stiff amount of trauma that is associated with that decision. Right. Wow. And, and they just didn't care. I mean, no, they they didn't. They're still like that. I mean, I don't know if they still go to Marshall. (laughs) Yeah. I might've done it in. I know that they've been arrested on multiple times for uh, public disturbance. Good grief. Um, in Logan, 
which is right outside of Mingo, they used to street preach there, and they literally got banned to be within city limits of the city of Logan. Wow. Like, that's how crazy this escalated. You know, I, I, when I read through, through scripture and, and my, and knowing what I know now, I remember back when I was younger that I definitely took more of a zealous approach. And I think Elizabeth picked the perfect word for that. I think we all were kind of trained to be zealous about what we believed in. And I remember even when I first set foot in Jackson Avenue, because I still had the rose colored glasses of the CHM on. And I remember I looked at every woman in there wearing pants because that's the first thing my mind went for. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. does everybody in here measure up to the way I think they should measure up? And I, and literally I'm like, well, that person's going to hell. That person certainly is going to hell. That one ain't going to, well, that one might, no, there's no, they're not making it into heaven, you know? And and it was like, Yeah, it's like over time, you start to develop, you you truly understand the love of Christ and being able to love Mm -hmm. people and allow the Holy Spirit to nurture the seed that is planted Mm -hmm. within them and to work with the light that is given to them rather than standing there with a megaphone or a hammer and just bash them over the head and calling them names Mm -hmm. because that doesn't get anywhere. No. And I think if more people could understand... That just because you have a civil conversation, you have a dinner with someone who may not believe like you do, mm-hmm. maybe living mm-hmm. in a completely sinful lifestyle, just because you approach that person with kindness and yeah. with, I'm going to say this, an open mind, just because it's not changing my opinion on it, but yeah. I don't have to stand before God, so I'm going to treat them as a human being, right. um, whether they've had an abortion, whether they're gay, whether they're, you know, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. I think if more people could... Think, step back and think of it as just because I'm have being nice to this person doesn't mean I'm compromising my own belief system. Right. Everybody would be mm-hmm. at so far ahead. Right. We'll, we'll look at Jesus. Yep. We'll think about what people thought when Jesus sat down to eat in the house of a tax collector. I mean, mm-hmm. literally a tax collector was probably the most hated individual in all of Israel. Still is. And he still goes in there. Still is. Yeah. <laughs> still is. <laughs> still is. And, but he literally goes to eat in that house and, and it's and and can you imagine the oh well he's sided with them he's with Rome you know can you imagine what went through people's minds and so you know one thing that you know even growing up it's it's like you you would hear kind of like this if somebody departs from the faith or if they're not part of the faith or if they do something wrong um, it was almost like you kind of shun them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that shunning doesn't get anybody anywhere if anything it just shoves them further towards the world. But uh, yeah, I had no clue that that uh, that group was um, out of that church. Yeah, so that's the church that I grew up in. Wow! All these rules, you know, whatever, whatever. So, So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, it's fine. I was going to say a breaking point for my mother um, with all of this. So she was married before she was married to my dad. Mm -hmm. And her first husband passed away in a coal mining accident. Oh, good grief. And she, my sister was barely one, like a one, one year old in a couple weeks, Mm -hmm. right? When this happened and the church did absolutely nothing to help, to help her. No... I mean, it wasn't even a, I'm sorry this happened or anything. I mean, it was just total shunned of the widow. Like, I don't know how else to say it. You know what I mean? Like, there was no, they didn't help try to get, you know, maybe my sister to appointments because my mom had no vehicle. My mom didn't even have her driver's license. Oh, my goodness. My mom literally walked to church, and they would see her walking. And and not do anything. Why? 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 That part, I have no idea. Like, there, I I have, I I don't know (laughs) about why nobody tried. And I'm not saying that we needed $300,000, you know, something crazy. I'm saying just help get my sister to doctor's appointments. Right. You know, at one year old, you know, help with anything, help give us food. I mean, at this point, my mom had a kid, was a widow, and had nobody to help her. 
Yeah. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the Bible talk about helping widows? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So, like, I don't, and that was a huge breaking point. And it's, my mom wasn't anywhere, like, high on the uh, church uh, hierarchy, hierarchy, (laughs) you know, but every week she would go to the church and she would deep clean the church. You know, she would clean the the. Uh, cafeteria place where we would have meals and stuff. She would clean the baptismal. She would vacuum the the carpet. She would clean out the pews. She would clean up all the kids' mess from Sunday school every single week. Wow. And it's like, if even if you don't maybe agree with something that somebody might have done, I have no idea why they never did anything, but... At least reach out and say, I'm sorry this happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at right. minimal. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, I honestly have no answer for that. I will say this though. Yep. That story <clears throat> is not necessarily uncommon because I mm-hmm. have heard other examples of that from yeah. other holiness churches. And I was having a discussion yeah. with somebody not too long ago. And we said the one area where not all of, but definitely some of the holiness churches fail horribly is um, just kind of um, benevolent, that kind of benevolence or that kind of uh, reaching out. Um, There's another term I'm looking for, but I don't know why, but it's like, they Mm -hmm. just don't get it. And Mm -hmm. yet like you can have, you know, like when, when dad, when dad passed away, uh, the Nazarene church that we go to, it was so nice of them. We 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 had just started going uh, not too long before then, and yet here we had a whole dinner provided to us. They sent something mm-hmm. to the funeral. The pastor was there to support, um, and they and we were able to eat there at the church. I mean, just such kindness and graciousness. Um, but yet you hear other situations that kind of go around of similar, you know. Well, similar situations, and you find out that they get vastly different outcomes, and it's yeah. like, don't they kind of? How hard is it to kind of understand? Hey, it's not that hard to go out and maybe uh, bring a dinner to someone or to right. You know, say, hey, can I help you? Right, like, why is that? Why would that be missing? And why you know you preach the love of Christ, yet you're supposed to mm-hmm. demonstrate it? Yeah, like, what's the disconnect there? I, I don't understand yep. it. Well, I mean, my dad yeah. was the on the other side of that where he had major heart issues. He had um, apparently had been having heart attacks for a good majority of my life and didn't know it um, and had had an open heart surgery and then sprung a leak and nearly bled out and he had to have another one on the same day. So two open heart surgeries was in ICU for um, two weeks and... And I'm not going to say that it wasn't thoughtful, but I do understand. I do know what other members of the church actually got. And um, there was no, the pastor came once and put um, some handpicked flowers that he got from his, just put in a vase. And I'm not saying grateful for the thought. Yes, but I do. Other people were getting like the big bouquets that were sent to them and Mm -hmm. meal trains and all sorts of stuff. And my dad was on Mm -hmm. the board and they carried on as though he didn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, that, that they definitely need to ramp up that caring for the sick and the, that type of thing. I would like to jump into, you mentioned Judy Williams. Uh Uh-huh. Where did you all run into her? I never saw, like, heard her live. Um, It was more of word of mouth, Mm. if you will. So, like, a lot of the congregation would go and listen or, well, I mean, that would be the only way because we weren't allowed to have TVs and radios and, you know, all this stuff. So they would have had to have went and listened. Right. (laughs) Um, And... I mean, she was, you know, in our church, it was Jesus, Judy Williams, and Brother Plank. I mean, that was the order. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So Janelle is definitely more familiar with her than I am. I heard her preach mm -hmm. for a revival, I think, one time at the Wesleyan Church in Ironton when I was younger. And I don't um, remember hearing... See, to me, it was just weird to see a woman up there because that was the first woman mm -hmm. I'd the first woman I'd ever seen preach. Yep. Um, and so I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." But when, whenever we went to the IHC convention, um, they had the the kids services, and the Victory Trio at the time was always in charge of that. And I remember Penny Ford um, mm -hmm. over the rest of them because Penny Ford, I think, generally was the one who kind of was was she kind of the. Would you, if you remember that, Janelle, was she more or less kind of the spokesperson for the kids thing? Yeah, I think so. She was do. Um, no, Penny did the music. Mary normally did the storytelling. Mm. Um, You're Jenny right. Williams normally did like the youth, like youth stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a very funny reaction to hearing her old messages when Nick turns them on. Oh, yeah. I instantly get sleepy and start yawning. Like it is instant. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it's a, one of those that's um, a side effect of <laughs> Well she This is my trauma response. Yeah. yeah I mean she, it, yeah. she uh you know she she definitely um there was a lot of things like well things ironic, but there was a lot of things that she would preach on and, and uh, I've talked to some folks who've talked about some of the things that she would speak on. Um, and I could see how a lot of that would probably line up with, uh, you know, what you're, you've described from your church. But, um, I think Camp Gilead was a place where she used to frequent now. Yep. Um, what, are you all familiar with the camp that is down there in Culloden? Is it just called Culloden camp? Like there's, there's a camp down that below if, mountain state. Yes. I think it's more of a Baptist kind of thing. Uh, but there was a point in time in the mid-late 90s, uh, even like maybe around 2000, um, where it was still a pretty conservative, uh, you know, like a CHM. Because I remember going there. Are you familiar with the name Wingrove Taylor? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I went there one time with me and my um, uh, dad and Garen, and we heard Wingrove Taylor speak there. And they would bring in a lot of oh. like CHM kind of people, but I don't think that they lean that way now. I think it's vastly yeah. different. Um. But I don't remember the official name of that camp, but I remember we would go to that camp as well. But Camp Gilead was definitely one that we went to mm -hmm. quite a bit. Let's see. So when you're at the church, um, did, did they have a Christian school or anything like that? Or No. So were you ever encouraged? Like, um, Because when Brother Plank would come around, I, I don't remember exactly... Or I wouldn't remember like his dealings maybe with some of the colleges at the time. But did you ever hear anything about like the the main CHM colleges like Pinview or GBS or any of those? No, I didn't hear about any of that until I went to private school. <laughs> mm. You know, I didn't get that side of it until I started attending uh, Mountain State. Mm -hmm. And they would have representatives, you know, come out and speak to senior class and, you know, all that stuff. There was a woman, I think, that taught there in the early mid two thousands, and she had graduated from God's Bible School, and I don't remember what her name was, um, but she was there, and I know definitely Mountain State had a Kansas City Bible College influence. Yeah, yeah, but of course, like KCCBS really isn't anymore. It's now um, what they call it, Kansas Christian College. I think is what they call it. Yeah, KCC. I think is what it is. Yep. Um, but that, that's another thing I'd have been kind of curious about is, is just kind of, um, you know, I didn't know if they had tried to funnel their students to a particular college. Was there a college that you ever heard talked about there at that church or? Not that I can remember. I mean, maybe to teens who are older, mm -hmm. um, just because we moved down here when I was 12, mm -hmm. you know, so I, college was 500 years away at that point, you right. know? <laughs> right. So, or at least it felt like it. Um, but it, it really wasn't until I got into high school uh, at the Christian school where they started talking about, you know, you need to go to these certain Bible colleges. Yeah. And now you're actually teaching at that college or at that high school. Yeah. Um, I have some pretty open views compared to others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I was there for about six months as a teacher, and I coached the girls' basketball team for uh, about two, yeah. two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I haven't had any complaints yet, so I guess everything's going okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, and I will tell you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you're as a teacher, uh, it won't be long before you will, you will have your first kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. If I could borrow yeah. from uh, judge Judy and, uh, <laughs> it's something, it's, some, it's something that, you know, you'll run into with somebody being upset about something or whatever, but you know, it's, um, I've, you know, I've learned that you, if we handle it with grace and we, we treat yeah. it as Christ would, then uh, we, 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 can, we can get a lot more accomplished and find a compromise. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so after you all left, mm -hmm. um, you said that was the breaking point for your mother. Um, did, mm -hmm. What church did you all go to or, or what, what happened after that point? So after that, <clears throat> we went to a Church of God church. Okay. Um, it was not nearly as harsh. It was it, a lot like Jackson Avenue. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, probably very, very, very similar <laughs> to Jackson Avenue. Yeah. Um, which as you can imagine is a lot less stress inducing than the church previous. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, it was still the whole thing of, you know, women wore skirts, the you no know, makeup, the hair. Some stuff was very similar in that regard. Mm -hmm. But the church has broadened its mind. Yeah. If you will, because I went or me and Elizabeth went um back home to see some family and stuff over this past weekend and we went to church there on Sunday. And it had been years since I had been to this church. And women had their hair short. Mm -hmm. Women were in pants. The Sunday school teacher for the adult Bible class mm -hmm. was in pants behind the pew. Mm -hmm. Or the pulpit, I mean. They had makeup on. They had a drum set. Oh, have mercy. <laughs> they had a screen, a projector screen up behind them that displayed Bible verses. It was insanity. Evil the, now. the moral decline to debauchery has begun. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was very weird. <laughs> yeah. Very great to see that um they've kind of gotten over some of the stuff. Um, but again, very weird to see. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I think that there's, you know, we all tend to have our different flavor on how mm -hmm. um, those things can be interpreted scripturally, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's generally mainline Christian doctrinal elements that mm -hmm. we don't, but everybody's unified on, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that I, I think is, is really, and because everybody's going to have a difference, whatever their light is and, and the, the, the journey that God has them on and, and, uh, but everybody generally is, is you know, one body, uh, but there will be some, there will be some, as one lady put it, some curly cues that are present in mm -hmm. various people's lives. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I think that the thing that always just bothered me was that there was sometimes such a, a big stink made mm -hmm. over some of those things, especially, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how strict that your church growing up was on sleeves. Oh my gosh. It was... <laughs> <laughs> we had to be long sleeved, nothing else, mm -hmm. and it had to be pants. So if we were out on Tuesday playing basketball after school, minimal we had to be in jogging pants and a long sleeve shirt. Okay. You know, it didn't matter if we were up in some holler back in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia, where it's 118 <laughs> degrees out by the creek. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you had to wear your pants of some sort and a long shirt of mm -hmm. some sort. <laughs> yeah. When I first went to God's Bible school, it was kind of, you know, cause we were a little more relaxed at home and I could wear mm -hmm. short sleeve shirts. But of course the college policy was you had to wear three quarter length, long sleeve shirts. So yeah. I had to go to Walmart and stock up on a whole bunch of those three quarter length, uh, different colored baseball, <laughs> baseball t-shirts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have, I have one of every color. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, I've run into different people who have viewed they, these experiences. And I, I, I think a wonderful way of referring to a lot of this is religious trauma. Mm -hmm. Because 
um, there's there's a lot of scarring emotionally that can mm-hmm. take place when you see certain people treated in a, in a bad manner, when you're yep. treated in a bad manner, and yet the whole time the gospel message is being pounded home, yet it's being pounded home with a sledgehammer. Yeah. And over time, it causes, you know, I've seen people who have been like, you know, I'm going to leave and I am going to be done with God and Jesus. I don't want anything to do with this because they're all, they all, all Christians must be like this. So hang the lot of them and, and they're and finished with it. That is what happened with my mother. Really? Yeah. After all the years of not physical abuse, but after all the years of abuse, she just hung up the towel and, you know, that's it. So is she like, is is she, is she still a Christian today or? She is open to the idea of going to church, Mm -hmm. which is a giant step (laughs) right? (laughs) compared to, you know, six years ago where it was, no, I'm not, I mean, do whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I can't do this. Right. (laughs) Yeah. See that, that's the thing that has bothered me so mm-hmm. badly and it's that yeah. there are so many people that have taken that road and it's mm-hmm. be, and and I get it you know been there done yeah. that you know and you've been there done that and you you see this stuff and and I think that there's the there's that one path that people can take that we're like you know what you're they put them all in a box they're all this is bad and this must be how all Christians are um, I'm finished mm-hmm. with it yet there's also the other side where you go you know this 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 side of it hurt me and this side of it was bad but it's not mm-hmm. all bad and and having the support around you and being able to go to the right church where you can be nurtured in the love of Christ and yes still mm-hmm. adhering to good biblical doctrine but yet sure. the the nastiness being absent and yep. the the I was talking to Janelle about this and I said you know the big difference when you go to say like even a Nazarene church uh, versus say one of the old like CHM churches, like what we remember, mm-hmm. there's less of a chance that you're going to run into that kind of a nasty behavior simply mm-hmm. because they're not looking to make sure that you measure up to all of their own individual little standards. Mm, um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's a lot less likely to happen. Whereas, you know, I remember I went and visited a church in in Missouri, and I walked in the door, and I just didn't want to wear a tie that day, and because it just I don't yeah. like getting choked out, and so I didn't wear a tie. And I go to the back to shake the preacher's hand, and the first thing out of his mouth, I, was like, I shook his hand. He's like, "Oh, so uh, are you against wearing ties?" And I'm like, "Where did this even come from?" Yeah. Like you could have said, yeah, like you could have said, oh, hey, great to have you here, whatever. And it's like, are you against yeah. wearing ties? And it's like, why, why are you critiquing me yeah. already? Like I'm a first time visitor. Like why right. would that come out of your mouth? But you know, you got to wear a tie to get into heaven. Oh, evidently, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that was another thing we had talked about. And I know there was actually a, a denominational split that took place over women wearing hose, and yeah. if they should have the 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 seam in the back. Yep. And I'm pretty sure the only yeah, place because... you can get those pantyhose anymore are adult-only stores. <laughs> Probably. I was about to say, like, they're considered to be more of a sexual thing now. So why was this yeah. ever a conversation? I don't <laughs> even know. Yeah. And uh, the thing that gets me is how does all of this tie into your salvation? Exactly. In zero ways. You know, how does me wearing shorts and a t-shirt discredit my salvation. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, it, it's... You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it just doesn't. <laughs> I I uh, played, I had a, a, a link to a video to a sermon that Don Humble had preached on, on our Facebook account. And he had preached about just one of the things that it seemed that so many people were afraid of was modernism. Whether it's good or bad, they were just afraid of modern things altogether. And that has influenced people so much. And he had talked about when he first got saved, he was approached and they said, you can't wear anything other than black shoes. You can't wear anything other than black suits. You can't part your hair in the middle. And I thought maybe that was just something that they said to him. Oh no, I've been going through Facebook posts and people talking about hearing the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just people, for some reason, 
Um, I don't know if it's just that they don't trust in the blood of Christ to have really saved them to where they feel that then they just have to ratchet down even tighter to where they feel like they're walking so close and so tight that now they just surely can't miss out. You know, like, I, I don't know if it has to do with your confidence in your salvation or whether yeah. it has to do with, I think it has a little bit to do with control. Uh, because yeah. obviously, from what I've heard from what you, you mentioned about your, your pastor there, that is just massive control and manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I experienced this. Then I get out of this environment. Mm-hmm. And 2015 rolls around. There's a show that gets very popular on TV called 19 Kids and Counting. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nick. We want to thank you for listening to uh, part one of our uh, interview with Daniel uh, and his wife. Um, we are going to be breaking this into two episodes. And um, here in about a week or so, we will upload the uh, second part of this interview. Um, thanks for listening. And we will chat at you then. See you.